0: Hey, welcome audience. This is another episode of Unverified Accounts. I'm Chris. I'm Eliza. And I'm Philip. And thanks for joining us.
1: Like, so when I was walking up the stairs to start this recording, um, I was looking at my phone when I was heading up and like everybody on my timeline is like, fuck. Yeah. And like people that don't talk to each other are all saying the same thing. It's like literally like when I'm scrolling down my Twitter timeline, it is just like, Fuck after fuck after fuck, and it's all and like so. I went to the trending page and I saw that Rbg died.
2: Oh, you didn't. It wasn't clear why everyone's being ambiguous about it, but
1: everyone's being ambiguous because everybody just assumes that everybody knows. Yeah, like, that's yeah, why. Yeah, 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 whenever yeah. you see something like you're like that, you're just like, okay, so it has to be like a really big Bad. news event that <laughs> yeah. no one is like retweeting or quote tweeting anything.
0: Am I twisted for thinking, hey, uh, maybe she? I mean, if she had to pick a time to pass away, this, this would have been a pretty pick a ideal time. time because, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Well, no, because I mean, in terms of like uh, politics, because I mean, I, I, you know, because she was takes. obviously, that was always on her mind, you know, when she would retire and all that. But it's like, yeah. it's a couple of, no, less than two months away from the election. People are kind of getting either complacent or they don't give a shit or whatever. And I, I don't even know this is going to actually galvanize people, but. I mean, I think it's better this happened than let, let's say, like, lose the election, um, and then she dies right after. I mean, that would be the worst case, right? So, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, like, Trump Trump can put someone I in her place. I still hold
1: the opinion that she should have retired under Obama, but oh well. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to. Th- I mean, the Supreme Court is so messed up. I don't even want to think about it. But anyway, uh, rest in peace, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and. Let's get on with...
1: James Bond was announced today. Tom Hardy, Mike, that was my first choice pick from the start.
0: Wait, what? James yeah. Bond? The new James Bond?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? They announced that Tom Hardy is the new James Bond. Uh.
0: There hasn't been a good James Bond movie since 2006 with Casino Royale. Every movie since then has been a bore. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they kept the white guy as a James Bond. I did not want to see like a black guy or an Asian guy or, or Latino or Indian the, guy as was, James Bond. Was the Bond.
2: Idris Elba thing like always like never going to happen? Or- like well, was that just a fan-driven thing, or did was there rumors and like talk internally about Idris Elba?
0: I don't know. I have no idea. I okay. remember
1: it being all over the internet, but my first choice was always Tom Hardy.
0: All right. Uh, so we before we get onto our pod about Cobra Kai, which I was actually just just watching uh, right before this pod started. Philip, unfortunately, uh, you'll not be able to join us again. Uh, come on, man. You know, uh, do your homework. <laughs> it's a lot of homework, man. Um, <laughs> I was like two seasons. Wow. Philip will have to drop out, but we will be joined by two guests to talk about Cobra Kai. But we got a whole list of things we want to shoot through. Um, I guess this thing that happened uh, like a week ago, I think, this Filipino-American versus Korean TikTok fight over the Rising Sun tattoo. I mean, I don't know too much about it. I think the, the background info is that there's a popular TikTok star named Bella Porch. She's Filipina. And she got a tattoo, uh, which was a heart with these rays behind it that looked like the Japanese imperial sun. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a bunch of Koreans got mad at her. She apologized. But then uh, some people went overboard. And then Filipinos got angry because Koreans started uh, calling them names and all that shit, and then, you know, it became another stupid internet fight. What what kind of names are we talking about here, right? Like, they were severe. Well, that was the thing. So, uh, like, you look at the type of stuff that was hurled by both sides, and it was Mm -hmm. just really disappointing. You got, like, Koreans calling Filipinos, like, short, dark, uneducated, you know, as if, like, that's not what, you know, white people call us all the time. Sure. Or maybe more, like, in the past or whatever. Uh, and then Filipinos were making fun of Koreans for like not being able to speak English fluently. And these are not like Korean Americans. These are, they're t- saying this about Koreans in Koreans. Like why would, why should Koreans in Korea speak English flu- fluently, you know? Are you
2: uh-huh. expecting um, like, like cross Asian racism to be less severe or more acceptable or less susceptible than like white on Asian racism? Cause it seems like just as bad, right?
1: I, I feel like it all flies under the radar and it goes so unchecked. Because we're all so focused on, like, white supremacy and, like, you know, white racism. The problem, like, you know, racism is white on whatever kind of racism. But yeah. We never focus on, like, yeah. We never focus on, like, intra-Asian racism. Is it called racism, like, or is it just well, prejudice? Well,
0: I guess it's, like, how do, you, how do you define race? We'll just call it prejudice uh, to, to be... Totally correct. But the thing is, I think most of the attacks on the Filipinos were from Korean, like Korean Koreans. Like, I I don't think Asian Americans really knew what was going on, or if if we did, um, we weren't as involved. So then there, there's that whole mix up there as well. Did this, like, okay, I want to get a, a gut check
2: on these things, right? Because we come across these, like, whatever Twitter, TikTok feuds all the time. Was this a Tempest in a teacup? Like, did this blow up into mainstream ish news at all? Like, anything close
0: to it? It didn't even cross my radar. Yeah, I, I just saw a couple of tweets on it. I, I think Next Shark had an article about it, and of course. that was about it. I did. I think it did uh, trend a lot in the Philippines. Apparently, cancel Korea nah. was a hot hashtag. And well, when okay. I recently did an article search, like you know, the Korea Times had you know written a quick article about it, asking okay, like Koreans so not American news, obviously, but it. like out there, no, yeah, no,
2: no. yeah, big enough that because uh, it, it feels like the kind of situation where like kind of maybe old hatreds would be dug up and I, I have no idea what the beef is between filipinos and koreans are and maybe that's why just like very stereotypical racist you know uh insults were thrown around but you know, like you to know be there's honest, a not either yeah because you know it's, it's classically between like japan and korea or like japan and you china know, or whatever right yeah so, i
0: don't know they're like like you know a- a- asian like asian asians on the internet i mean like like korean netizens uh, pretty much invented like toxic <laughs> online culture. Like all, all the, like, the the stand culture and all, all the canceling going on here is yeah. what I saw happening in Korea. You know, you know, i I'd go there for like a winter break and they'd be like, oh, this celebrity, uh, I don't know, lied about getting an A uh, in 12th grade math. He's canceled. <laughs> He's got to disappear for like a year. And That's then bow down it. before, you, you know, it's that kind of intense like society there in terms of like who gets in trouble for what so we're yeah. all just playing catch up um okay so i mean as a korean i mean you know in high school all my most of my friends were filipino and i'm very proud to say some people thought i was like a chinito you know they thought i was just like mm-hmm. a kind of you know <laughs> chinese looking filipino guy just because i hung out with so many filipinos <laughs> and you know I'm, I'm a bit on the darker side yeah so, you can don't
2: burn yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so i mean historically there's not but you know these online people can get mad about anything and maybe as of late because uh you know korea you know korean pop culture is getting more popular there may be resentments among say filipinos thinking that sure. hey, not now they think they're better than us and all oh, they think you know and then and then i, I bet this is where asian americans meddle in where we're not wanted and it's that's whole stupid like try to figure out who the white people of asia are you know that moronic uh you know americanization of everything mm-hmm. so yeah yeah
2: i'm just surprised because the 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 cap i saw of um like the inciting image or video, like it was a very small, from what I could tell, it was very small, not super prominent. So, like the fact that even someone caught onto it and then like that blew up into a semi big thing in the Philippines and Korea is a bit surprising to me. But
0: um, yeah. and she apologized. You know, it's like yeah, you know, like and and I, I because I'm Asian, you know, I never lived in Korea. I don't want to be like get over, it, but I never felt sure. any hatred for Japan. Like, uh, you know, I, I look at like. Mino, Mino, you know, playing for Liverpool, and I pull almost as hard for him as you know Son Heung-min. So, sport, the uniting, the uniting factor. <laughs> well, that's the thing about sports. Whenever Koreans and Japanese go play in Europe, they're all, they always become friends. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. like but especially I'll- in like Germany, like um, because that's where a lot of Asian players play. Uh, all right, moving on, uh, uh, Liza, you had very strong feelings about the, the Chris Evans uh, so-called scandal, which <laughs> so-called scandal. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a, it's it's so manufactured. Okay, so um. Earlier this week, Chris Evans, like accidentally on purpose, <laughs> posted a dick pic in his Instagram stories. And of course, everyone just started talking about him and like it's all like stan people. It's like the Chris Evans stands all came out. And then oh, it was wow. like fake conversations about how Chris Evans accidentally posted a dick pic and they're just like, oh, you know, mistakes were made and blah blah, but they're just like you know now from now moving forward like we're never allowed to shame to slut-shame women that you know whose nudes get leaked
2: wait did mm-hmm. that come up cuz i so yeah I, that's, that's
1: that's how i learned about the the little fake scandal was everyone talking about how chris evans got away with it with just like a little you know the internet just chuckled and moved on but like all the other all the other women that have had their nudes leaked, they get slut shamed because like, you know, for even taking the photo or for the photo even existing. Good point.
2: Yeah. And the photos, the photos are like plastered everywhere on like revenge porn websites and stuff. And like, you know, that's it's out there forever. And whereas like Chris Evans, I heard that like his stands like, flooded his name and hashtags um, with, like, pictures of him with with dogs and stuff to try to, like, draw attention away from the dick pic. Uh Um, So, yeah, I I agree there's a completely different reaction to
0: it, right? Yeah, I mean, he would have gotten shamed if it was, like... Like a small dick. Uh, I'm assuming it's not because and that that probably would have been the story. So there is conversation.
2: Okay, all the stuff I know about this, by the way, is my wife just told me like five minutes before the pod because I was like, "What the hell is going on with his <laughs> dick?" Um, but apparently, he's qu- quite well hung in the picture. However, it's, it was not confirmed it was actually his dick. So there is a, a subthread <laughs> of conversation going on about it. It was someone else's dick. Okay, it's it was like, sent like to the him, stunt dick. And it just, yeah, maybe. And and so the, I was thinking, like, okay, how did this? play out. Like maybe he leaked he he put it out there, and before it blew up, people were talking, commenting on it uh, about how he's well hung. And then by the time he found out that people thought he was well hung, he was like, maybe I should not deny that it's my dick. <laughs> <laughs> right. The calculus changed a little bit in uh in that case.
1: But. <laughs> and then he went mm-hmm. on, he did the whole talk show thing and he basically what he was asked about the controversy And then he kind of, he talked about it a little bit, but it was very, he was really on, he was really trying to just promote his new um, civic engagement website. So basically, long story short, he accidentally on purpose leaked a dick pic so that he could tell us all to go vote for Biden.
0: Yeah, I I went to that website, a starting point. It's so fucking lame. It's his whole idea. he'll, He'll bring people across the aisle together and they'll make these short Quibby like videos that will explain you know various issues i guess like what is the electoral college what is cap and <laughs> trade and all that what and, and trade? it's like it's the kind of shit that if like remember i <laughs> remember ziyad the uh ziyad the activist guy i don't know what's happened to him but um it's the kind of stuff that if if a kid like that pulled people would be like this is lame but chris evans is a grown-ass man and <laughs> he's doing this and and this is why chris evans irritates me is that I think he knows he can play into this really bland, uh, woke bay kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just this, like he plays the lame ass um, Captain America. Captain, and, I know
1: he's so bland.
0: Yeah, and then um, I remember I don't know it was like a year or two ago he broke up with Jenny Slate. Uh, do you know? Do you guys even know who sh- who that is? Comedian, Mm-mm. right? Yeah, she's an actress, um, and she's I don't I like I I read all these articles in. You know magazines like the Cut and everything, where they were so sad that they broke up because I guess they like Jenny Slate is not like ugly or anything. I, I think she's very attractive, but I think the way they identify with her is that she's supposed to be, uh, I guess, in the land of Hollywood, she's not pretty or whatever. But she managed to get with Chris Evans, Captain America, and the what fact he, that they didn't. What is a prize? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the prize, <laughs> and the fact that they didn't work out you know end up happily ever after was like traumatic for for these uh writers at these magazines and they were so sad that they broke up i'm just like these are two cele- just two very successful celebrities breaking up but they they made it all about themselves and it was just uh, uh excruciating to to see yeah
2: okay i have to ask like eliza why do you think that the chris evans stick pick thing is fake
0: because of
1: timing in order for him to to get attention and for people to actually watch his segment on the talk show, they had to drum up some sort of controversy. Tell us what really happened about that steamy picture. And then he comes on and talks about his website.
0: Oh, this, this is how desperate we are for entertainment right now. <laughs> and uh, speaking of desperation and entertainment, uh, Your Name remake, um, apparently they, they picked this guy, Lee Isaac Chung, to direct it. Uh, I think he direct. I forgot the name of the movie. But I can't he wait to a,
1: fight with the representation matters crowd on that one.
0: Uh, but why uh, did they pick the actors and actresses already? No, I. But although, I, like a year or two ago, there was like a leaked script, uh, some details where they they were gonna set it in Chicago, and the uh, the male character mm-hmm. is gonna be this white guy, and, and the girl is gonna be like Native American or half Native American. Okay. Um, it's like I don't want to see your name set in Chicago. You know, that's that's like totally. Just make a new movie, you know. That's not that's not your name anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, your name is. Um, it is another one of those very beloved movies, uh, beloved animated movies that they just feel this need to to make a live action remake of it. That is completely unnecessary, and it, I mean, one, it's like this IP money grab, and at the same time, it's also like. Chris, you, you and I have talked about this a bunch of times. It's just the complete disrespect for animation here in the right. states.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like, there are these beautiful shots in Your Name, where it's like these, uh, like spinning around the main character with the uh, meteors in the sky, and and they uh, everything that looks beautiful in animation. I bet live action is going to look corny as hell. They're going to CGI everything. It's just not going to look good because the the reason it look it looks beautiful is that it does seem unreal. But then if you try to make it real in like Chicago of all places and try to make it magical, it's not going to work. Do you think that Americans like, you know, non-anime nerd
2: Americans or anime fan Americans should say, because it's pretty popular in general these days, do you think they know
0: what this movie is or No. And that's the thing. It's like Japanese people aren't going to watch this. uh, And Americans, like your name was basically an art house movie here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it wasn't like a big hit here. and wasn't even aimed to be. So I was like, I don't know who this is for.
1: It's like, isn't it one of the biggest films in Japanese movie history? I yeah. Think so, yeah. Like it was such a blockbuster over there.
0: It definitely of the year came out, 2017, I'm pretty sure it was the number one movie. And, and you know, Makoto Shinkai basically made a remake of his own movie with Weathering With You. And it just it wasn't the same. You know, you can only, lightning can only hit once. You know, it's it's special. Uh, and that's why people love it because they know it can only happen once. And they were there to witness it. And you try to recreate it, not going to work money grab always explanation yeah. <laughs> no other explanation
2: and also just like a, a complete dearth of creativity in in like hollywood and you know western uh filmmaking i think
0: uh um, let's move on to our final topic uh, speaking of blockbusters a uh, trump challenged joe biden to a <laughs> joe rogue four-hour joe rogan Is that debate still happening? why was it for decided- obviously it's not gonna happen
1: oh i would i would watch that I would actually watch s- that.
2: Can you explain to me why it was like decided to be four hours in this hypothetical situation?
0: Well, I think because like all of Rogan's podcasts are that long. Oh, that's and, okay. and Trump okay. is probably just making because I'm sure he doesn't really want to debate as well. So he just but he knows that Joe Biden wants to debate even less. So he's <laughs> yeah. like making it yeah, ridiculously <laughs> long. To ch- You're right. Yeah, I mean, for good reason. Mm-hmm. There's no way Biden's team will let him go talk for more than like no, 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 no. four minutes straight let alone four hours but eliza uh, you you retweeted uh, or i think you tweeted um replied to a very interesting tweet by matt taibi where he where, do you, do you want to explain what, what that tweet was
1: yeah so i saw that matt Taibbi was tweeting about how legacy press people hate joe rogan because they all belong to this clubby system that worships credentialing and yeah. the fact that joe rogan is not a part of that at all you know he didn't go to like some ivy league j school or anything <laughs> uh, and I, I mean i i agree with it you know regardless of your thoughts on joe rogan matt taibbi is right Yeah, uh, joe rogan just gets bad press in mainstream media because he's not in their little dining club circle and like yeah, he says some horrible, horrible things. But like, if you want to, if you want to know what like majority of Americans think, I think that he is a really good window.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to jump on any kind of like anti-journalist hate, but it it is true that like I I think a lot of journalists they they like to think that people don't like them because they're fearless truth tellers. Like no, no they're not. You they're
1: just they're public relations people.
0: Yeah, because you're lit nerds. who just uh, laugh at each other's social media posts and you all, you all until like Columbia journalism school, you know, the costs of going there are so prohibitive and they're just so snooty.
1: Yeah. I wrote about this back in April on my, on my blog about this, the state of American journalism and how bad it is.
0: Okay. Well, we'll put that in our show notes so that people can go read it. I don't, but I don't know. I don't know if
2: like everyday Americans understand that about journalists, but certainly I think that they are more likely to understand like the kind of tone that Joe Rogan comes from, right? Uh, than they would like you know the, the these like cliquey background groups. Like we're super aware that that's what happens, but I don't know if everyday Americans actually kind of get that like you know these people are super credentialed and like want to keep folks out and so on.
0: Uh, the, you know, most Americans, who would you rather see moderate a debate? Uh, Joe Rogan or like someone like <laughs> David Muir? Most people probably don't even know who David Muir is, and they don't care. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, we will now transition to our discussion about Cobra Kai. Philip, so sorry you'll have to drop off, but um, we, you know, nice having you for this part. And <laughs> next time, watch. Well, you, you will have to watch whatever <laughs> or read whatever we'll, we're going to talk. Whatever about. Whatever I'm assigned. Yeah. All right. Enjoy, guys. So, okay, uh, sorry we had to say goodbye to Philip, but now we are joined by two guests, Rob and Sam. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Uh, so, Rob is uh, someone Liza and I have talked with before. Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself and, you know, any podcasts you have or websites you want to tell the audience about?
3: Uh, yeah. Hi, uh, everyone. My name is uh, Rob Chang, he, him. Uh, I know Eliza through, like... Um, Filipino you know, American activism. I'm a member of an organization called Katarungan DC, which is a uh, it's the DC member org of like the International Coalition for Human Rights in the Philippines, and that's how we know each other. But sort of like I think I'm on here just because I've kind of uh, on and off for most of my life been involved in some martial art, and also am a fan of the Karate Kid and the affiliated properties and Cobra Kai. So I'm sure we're <laughs> going to get into that a little later. Hey Rob, how how are you taking care of the most in the gant? It just kind of like sits on the wall. I haven't taken it to the range because like the local range that I used to go to is very like, they're very, you know, Trump supporting anti mask people. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable uh, going to the gun range right now. Because like, I'm like, I'm not gonna risk getting sick just because um, also ammo is expensive right now because everyone's hoarding. So Oh, no. I'm, no. Just, I'm just waiting. <laughs> oh, that's very dark. Uh,
0: listeners, in case you don't know what we're talking about, Rob has a old Soviet Mosin the like a World War II rifle on his wall. And last time we bought it, we did it over video. So I got to see it. And I was very impressed because it's uh, it's an antique at this point. Uh, Sam, uh, nice to meet
4: you. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. So uh, I kind of, I host a podcast called Southpaw, which is very similar to Cobra Kai in that it talks about martial arts and uh bottom up politics i would say or left wing politics mm-hmm. and that's not a necessarily explicit on cobra kai but like the feeling of like a lot of the cobra kai members like you know like probably the most left wing inter- intersectional character on the show is on cobra kai on that team instead of like miyagi do right and like uh the poorest kids are on uh cobra kai S- some of them of course are reactionary but so the podcast tries to represent that type of bottom-up left-wing politics. And also, we talk about martial arts and combat sports. So we kind of have two shows on the same channel where I interview people, people I find interesting. And then uh, we talk about coming fights and uh, fights that have just happened, like UFC or boxing. Do you guys have any like social media handles
0: you want to uh, plug first, starting with you, Rob?
3: Yeah, so... Um... Yeah. I don't have like currently any podcasts that I host, but I'm like a guest on a lot of them. So, okay. uh, right now, like my social media handle, mostly I'm on Twitter, uh, at smooth poser, one word spelled normally. Um, I'm doing a couple of co- podcast appearances coming up for some other folks that I'll probably, um, they'll come out if you follow me and recently did a, a good appearance on my friend's podcast called Machete y Mate. It's a, you know, it, that's the handle at machete y mate and they mostly focus on left-wing news uh out of latin america uh, a lot and then they have me on as like a recurring guest monthly because they'll do like a sort of like news roundup regularly and they have me on to do like the philippines because sort of like you know we're sort of like you know brothers in the struggle with our latin american comrades so they have us you know that's kind of my minor recurring role and then show up on some other shows and if you follow me on twitter you'll see those Uh, and you sam
4: uh you could probably find all of my social media links on my website or the website for the podcast southpawpod.com pod as in podcast right so pod
0: oh cool all right Uh, so listeners check that out all right so let's get to talking about cobra kai and first uh, i want to talk
1: about karate kid
0: oh sure okay I want to do that um, one
1: first I, 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 so Karate Kid uh, the original one 1984 is the reason why Cobra Kai is so successful is because Karate Kid is such a cult- cultural phenomenon it's like a cultural moment and there's something for everybody it's a, it's a movie that's a blend of genres uh, they've got sports, martial arts. It's a rite of passage movie. It's a fish out of water movie. Uh, it's the ultimate underdog outsider story because you know, I, I put it on par with like Rocky.
4: This is an old Hollywood story, but the pitch I heard for Karate Kid was they were trying to make Rocky for kids and they wanted to make it base it around karate because that was popular. Then at the that's time.
1: why I see such a Karate Kid Rocky connection because it is it is Rocky for kids, you know. <laughs> um, So it has remained such a beloved movie throughout the years, even for kids who were too young or not born yet, which I think is everybody on this podcast. Like when, when the original Karate Kid came out in 84, I was only like two years old. So I was too young for it, but I did catch it later on in childhood. And I was old enough to have, to see, like, I saw Karate Kid 2 in theaters and I even had that little toy thing that you got at like KB Toys at the mall. You that little thing that you like twist. It's at the end of Karate Kid Two, the one that Mr. Miyagi uses to inspire Daniel when he has to fight the um, the bad guy in Okinawa.
4: The drum thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I even had that thing. Uh, and then Karate Kid Three, a very, I mean, unfortunately forget forgettable movie, but I, I was old enough to see that one in the theaters too. And then. You know, just passing it on to my own kids. Like, they love they love Rocky and they love Karate Kid. They even like the remake of Karate Kid, the one with uh, Jackie Chan, because they're huge Jackie Chan fans. And to them, Jackie Chan can do no wrong. <laughs> and something to know about Karate Kid is that the actors, uh, Ralph Macchio, who plays Daniel LaRusso, and... Billy Zabka, who plays Johnny Lawrence, disappeared from public eye pretty much for the next 34 years, save for Ralph Baccio doing a stint on Dancing with the Stars and then some cameos on some shows where both actors reprise their roles as Johnny and Daniel. So, like, they're all... Re- I-, I think that that's, like, major fascination for Cobra Kai. Like, I think that if the two most famous two of the most famous roles in movie history didn't disappear, then like the show doesn't work. So it's like, what have Johnny and Daniel been up to for the past 34 years? Like, I don't think it would work if like, if Johnny and Daniel went the same route as say um, some other 80s teen stars who grew up uh, like Rob Lowe or like Tom Cruise or Robert Downey Jr., you know, like if we watch them grow up on screen and like do all these different roles, I don't think that the fascination would be the same.
0: It's interesting because I really enjoyed Cobra Kai, but um, I had not seen The Karate Kid until I started watching a couple episodes of C- uh, Cobra Kai, and then Liza you told me no, you got to watch the original to get all the references and stuff. So I did. But go, almost I almost
1: kicked you off this episode when I realized you hadn't seen the original <laughs> Karate Kid.
0: <laughs> so yeah, then why I went is he and- on here? <laughs> so i went to watch the original karate kid and honestly i didn't like the movie at all see? i thought it was this is what
1: I'm talking about this <laughs> what? is like on friday night on friday night no. chris and i were on the phone and we like got into almost an argument about it and i was like up until like later than i usually am thinking about it that there are people out there that never saw the original karate kid and like when they see it today they're unmoved
0: right no but okay so i'll just lay out a few of my problems with the karate kid first of all like uh What's his name? Daniel just shows up into this town and instantly gets Ali to like him. So you know, there's no real will he get the girl kind of thing. No, he already got her at the beach. She's already into him. And secondly, it was like he never even spars with anyone, and then he goes to a tournament, doesn't even know how to fight tournament style, and just like beats <laughs> up everybody. Yeah, nobody
1: would ever use a crane kick, right? <laughs>
0: right, and also, you know, I, I watch that movie, and like I'm not buying this, but I really enjoyed Cobra Kai.
1: I wish that Chris could go back in time and see this movie when he was like six years old.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, but but I also think the if, if it's like a good, wouldn't be there. Right, but I also think if it's a good movie, you should you shouldn't have to be like a little kid to enjoy it. Um, but I think the, the reason why I think something like Cobra Kai works is it actually builds upon the original like a sense that I got from watching it that Daniel's not really that great of a guy, and you guys have all seen that viral YouTube video that tries to argue that Daniel's the real bully, right? In The Karate Kid? Yeah.
1: I, yeah, yeah, I disagree yeah, I with it though.
0: Well, obviously, I th- I think they're really stretching it. But I think there is that thing where, hey, this kid shows up out of nowhere. Uh, remember like on the first day of gym, he's like kicking everyone's ass in soccer. This guy's not some underdog loser. He's, he's actually <laughs> kind of like a cool kid uh, who just butts heads with another cool kid. Uh, and then in Cobra Kai, we see that Daniel has gone on the I guess like you know logical conclusion of that arc where he's this hotshot businessman in the fanciest part of town he has a nice house and and now he's like an administrative bully where he tries to keep Johnny out of the tournament he he plays like with real estate like shenanigans to drive up the rent (laughs) he's like the evil landlord now Mm -hmm. so I mean what do you guys think Robin and Sam
3: yeah I mean I definitely like you know I of course I like the original movie I watched it I guess, like, you know, a little bias because I watch it as a young person. And so for when I did karate as a young person, I, I started when I was very young. I was like five, you know, so um, kind of at the age to get into it. And like my karate instructor when I was very young was actually like my older cousin. And that's kind of like how we were able to afford me going to this school. And like he liked Karate Kid, like he was a little older. So he was like at the prime age to watch it when it first came out in theaters so he had seen it and like sort of internalized it and grew up. And like, you know, he did teach me a lot, I think, as a young person. And I think like even though he was young at the time, like he was still trying to like do like a young person almost like Mr. Miyagi type thing. Mm-hmm. Where like in class, like at the at the end of class, you always have us like solve riddles and stuff. <laughs> we're, like riddles. And riddles? How hard were these riddles? I don't know. Well, like one of them, I, I think as a child, it was like blowing my mind. Like I remember one uh, at the end of class, he did one of those things where like he dropped like like a pin or something inside like a like a glass bottle. And he was like, "I need you to remove the pin." from the bottle without upturning the bottle and without breaking the bottle. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And then when he just filled the bottle with water, I was like, <laughs> no, and no, then like, way. no way. But then he was trying to be Science like, Science is cool. I guess like his, in his brain, he was like, I'm trying to like, encourage you to do like creative problem solving, uh, mm-hmm. like as a young person. So it wasn't like bad. I actually appreciated some of those lessons that he taught, but yeah, like, I guess like him liking karate kid kind of like rubbed off on me. Growing up, and then you know, it connected with me. And of course, you know, we grew up in New Jersey, so we kind of like liked oh. that the main character was from New Jersey. We lived like mm-hmm. near Newark, so like you know, we were like, Oh, you know, Ralph Macchi's character, he's this kid from Jersey that moved out to California. <laughs> Fuck those California kids. Um, yeah, and I mean, I liked it. And then you know, I wanted to watch Cobra Kai when it came out, but I didn't have like uh, the premium YouTube service at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. So, bread,
3: yeah. yeah, when it dropped on Netflix, I was like, Oh, yeah, I'll give this a shot. And a lot of people signed up for YouTube
4: Red to watch the first season, you know, during the thir- the thirty day free trial, but then yeah. you didn't have you didn't have season two. So I was in that boat where I had watched season one, and then I'm not going to keep this this membership until season two comes out. So I had so a lot of people also had seen season one and never season two.
3: Yeah, we also have to we we, we have to get uh, Sam's history with with Karate Kid also. All right, sure. Let, let's get it. So, as far as my history with Karate Kid and
4: living most of my life in LA, and actually during that era too, it's. Uh, I think it's good in that it's one of those movies that's like a time capsule. So maybe it doesn't yeah, age well. In that, in that um, it's not the greatest filmmaking per se, but it captures something. And um, and I think especially for people who live in LA, uh, it, it makes more sense. I, I almost feel like. It it's best served by comparing it to another movie. Like you watch this and you watch another movie f- that took place like not too much, too, not too long after this called uh, like, I think it's called Falling Down. It's what the Proud Boys, like what they dress like, the main character, Michael Douglas. Mike, I was going to say that the Michael mm.
1: Douglas one,
4: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's also taking place in LA. So what I mean by time capsule is he, here's this New Jersey guy coming here, right? And living in L.A., they have these like Italian festivals once a year and like nobody shows up or there's very there's very few because there's a very small Italian population. So L.A. is very wasp. So it's not just white is wasp. I think if you're from the East Coast or somewhere else, it's all the same thing. Right. Like white is white. Actually, Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on what urban areas. I know there's sometimes infighting, but over here, white is wasp. Right. Mm -hmm. So even like if you're Catholic, you're brown. They don't – like when I talk to some of my my white friends from other parts of the country, when they think Catholic, they think white. That's not the case here. So when Ralph Macchio's character comes here, even though to Chris's point that he was the cool kid, he was a cool kid in the East Coast in L.A. where everybody's – like it was intentional that people were blonde, right? These are Mm -hmm. wasps.
1: Yeah, they even, I, I read this thing where they were casting like Billy Zabka and it's like they had to dye his hair much, much, He, you know, he's not naturally blonde like that when he, back then. And like they dyed his hair super blonde and same with all the other Cobra Kai kids because they wanted to make the kids look like, like Nazi youth or something, or like Hitler youth. <laughs> There's
0: yeah. a weird part, remember when uh, Daniel's mom is like asking him if he has any girls he's interested in, and she keeps asking, is she blonde? Is she blonde? Yeah. I, th- I found
4: that strange. Uh, It probably spoke to something, some attitude back then. So connecting it to Falling Down, uh, which is also taking place in LA and actually Santa Monica. I remember there's like this reference about, uh, you know, so-and-so is married to an Italian person or something about Italian reference and that Italian wasn't white, right? Oh, they're Italian, right? And I think Johnny plays on that as well with like a thicker kind of East Coast Italian accent. And 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 I think I was... At one point in the movie, because he is darker, he gets mistaken for Latino. Latino, yeah.
1: Especially yeah. the name. Like you you mean Daniel
4: plays up that accent, not Johnny? Daniel, because yeah. he's he's playing like kind of like an East Coast Italian guy, right? Yeah. So yeah. even though to us now, especially in this era, I don't think we can appreciate that back then. Even back then, Italian didn't necessarily mean full blown white acceptance yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even though we know a lot of italian reactionaries who might even join like uh alt-right movements that wasn't necessarily the case in the 80s especially like during the reagan california white era so he yeah so and this the was movie, the early reads, 80s too yeah so he reads as a person of color so when i watched it i i thought he was latino when i was a kid yeah I, and, <laughs> and and talking to a lot of people they they thought that too and then in watching it as an adult they realized oh um no. Daniel
1: Anderson was <laughs> white the whole time.
4: Yeah. And actually actually uh, uh there's another interesting thing where in the the decades where Daniel was missing as an actor, Ralph Macchio, he actually was in another iconic movie. He was in My Cousin Vinny, where again they were being persecuted for being Italian because they were too mm-hmm. dark, they were too brown and they were in this like I don't know southern southern state, right?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm.
3: Yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. I, I like that, you know, because I think for me growing up in New Jersey, like Italian people are very much white to us in New Jersey. Because like the town where I grew up in, like everyone, all the white people were either Italian or Irish. Um, so that that was like, it, it's interesting to think of it like that, because I've never, you know, like at that point, like uh, Italian people in the town where we grew up were very much like the hegemonic group of mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you know, the that, church that's where, where my it was parents here, went to, I yeah. went would...
1: I went to a Catholic school growing up and everybody's mm-hmm. Irish or Italian. And it's like, they were definitely just, yeah, they were just that way. They were, they were the majority of the school. So they were, they were white.
0: Not only that, but Daniel's also from Reseda. And then like the, there's like a whole clash because he yeah, thinks Yeah, is
1: like more working class and like Johnny grew up in, in Encino. Yeah.
0: Right. And you know, uh, that Daniel thinks Ali's parents don't want rightfully. So,
4: um, you know, suspects uh, her parents don't like him because he's from the bad part of town. But think about even like the rise of Trump. If you go back and look at a lot of his early videos before he became president, he would go to these churches. There was all this like a talk about he's not a real Christian, but he always made it a point. He didn't just say Christian. He's always he always said he was a Protestant. He mm. was a like a Northeast Protestant. Like go back, mm-hmm. he always said Protestant, not Christian. And there I, now I don't know, but. That that was a dog whistle on purpose, right? The KKK, I don't think, is a Catholic organization, right? I don't even no, think they allow. Not. I don't even think they'd allow Catholics in, right? So that he was still playing to that, and I and uh, I remember reading uh, uh, a couple of articles that were like even up to last year, where to a lot of like evangelical Baptist types, Catholics are not Christians. Mm -hmm. So I think right now, because it is so us and them, we don't even realize that there is still this kind of like spectrum to whiteness, too, that exists that that I think maybe like Cobra Kai, right? Or not Cobra Kai, but uh, more Karate Kid uh, inadvertently touched upon that Cobra Kai doesn't even touch upon. And uh, uh, it's kind of like Kill the Author where, like, I don't know what the original filmmakers intentions were, but because they were creatures of the time they caught that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: yeah and i think that's interesting too to think about that like sort of generationally um because i i think that's very much like like you said even though like there is a spectrum of like uh whiteness and how white people relate to each other like there's still like a many decades separated between karate kid and cobra kai to where like you can kind of see it's like What's that book, like How the Irish Became White? It's kind of like that, like like sort of like how Italian people became more ingrained in like Mm -hmm. the hegemonic dominant like white group of people, I think is a drastic difference. Like you said, between 1984 and like 2018 when Cobra Kai came out for the first time where like now it's like not even really a thing. Well, yeah, look like Dan- Daniel's literally in the country club in Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's in the country club. He's like a big business guy, fancy guy. Yeah, and he, he even has the
0: pull to try. Remember when that his friend Armand got kicked out of the country club for pissing in the shower? He, you know, he tries, <laughs> he says, like, I can get you back in. So he, he's got some pull and he even, uh, you know, that's also why he keeps tries to keep Cobra Kai out of the karate tournament because he's also he's on, on the, the board administrative board. Mm-hmm. Right. So as I said, it, there's like this character arc where he started as the outsider it, but is now the ultimate insider. He's got his big business, and he's he's like a big man in town. Where he, he you know, he's got the billboard. He's on all these, um, you know, school boards, karate boards, whatever. And you know, he's become the bully now. He, uh, and Johnny has become the loser. He, Johnny's actually gone from Encino to Reseda, whereas Daniel has gone from Reseda to Encino. Yeah. And, <laughs> actually, and there's a great part where Daniel, in the early episodes, he's talking about his daughter because Sam, his daughter, has now started hanging out with the popular rich girls and he says like i don't want to i don't want her to turn into another encino Brad." and i think he's really talking <laughs> about himself because he's become like the adult version of like those mean
4: girls yeah you know, i actually
1: think his wife is more level-headed than he is
4: oh yeah his wife is you know she's like the voice of reason in a lot of times and i don't think ralph macchio's casting was on accident i think they did it on purpose because the year before uh chris you in- inadvertently brought this up but he was in the movie Outsiders, right?
1: Yeah, he Where was, he was
4: a
3: mm, uh, and Johnny. So he, that,
1: he plays the poorest of all of them.
3: Yeah, I think his yeah. character's name was Johnny, wasn't it? Does yeah, he get burned in that movie. Mm-hmm. He dies. Yeah, and, and like it motivates him. We got to do this for Johnny, man. That's what so he. he That's right? what they say. In the so movie. he becomes he becomes <laughs> the Sochas, right? Boy. So he
4: becomes the Sochas, and in that, and especially in that movie, because it's taking place in the fifties or the forties, Italian was not white. You were the brown kids in that movie. Yeah. The yeah. Italian, yeah. They like they, they were still calling them greasers in the movie. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like Cobra Kai, the well, makers yeah, of Cobra it's Kai ta- are playing yeah, on that movie I, I, also.
1: And, yeah. The Outsiders takes place in a time when like the slur WAP was around because Italians were the undocumented. Since we're deep into Cobra Kai now, I want to um I think that now is a good time for me to call myself out. Because on the first episode of this podcast, I said that if we ever discuss a TV series, yeah. that <laughs> I, I should just, I won't even be a part of it because I won't ever do a very anti-series. And yet here I am.
0: <laughs> yeah, already by episode, what, five, uh, you've broken your own rule, <laughs> Liza.
1: I do. I mean, episode two, I broke the rule, right?
0: But I want to thank you, though, because I really enjoyed Cobra Kai. I only saw season one, but this is a show I probably would not have watched unless you pressured me to. I really liked it. And then, Rob, I think you were talking about like the generational thing. And one thing that really I noticed about this show was it it critiques a lot of, I think, modern parenting and just like school culture. Because there's like a whole scene at Halloween where I think the school principal is like, instead of sexy nurse, you can go as like gender neutral health assistant everyone just like rolls their eyes
3: because you know like all the kids are just like what the fuck is she talking about i don't know i think i think with that is like i understand what they're going for but like it's like so heavy-ended it feels like a cringy like boomer meme on facebook you know like 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 call it? like every uh like every mother's day and father's day um like Ben Shapiro tweets the same tweet, and he's he's like he's like happy legal guardian of non-specified gender day, and he does that every time. And like that's what it reads like to me. It's like, okay, we get it. The the showrunners are like anti-SJW people, it's fine, whatever. And like I, I get like some of the critiques that they're going for. Um, because like I guess it can be annoying, but like sometimes it's just like so heavy handed. That I'm like, all right, all right, Boomer, I get it, and then just kind of like keep going till the show gets funny again, um, <laughs> which I mean, like you know, there are valid critiques they have of some of like the parenting and like parenting culture, obviously, but yeah, I, sometimes when they do that, it takes me out of the show a little bit because it's like it's like, all right, you're you're injecting like yourself in a very like unironic and like naked way, and I'm like, all right, cool, whatever.
0: But uh, as I was saying, uh, so like Johnny. He's very kind of like old school he'll say words like you know pussy," and you know remember when he, like when he's training Miguel and he like just throws him in the swimming pool with his hands tied and he just like keeps <laughs> yes. he's like P- uh, drownings for pussies <laughs> like, uh, and then uh, but the thing is then his dojo becomes a hate like a basically a safe space though for a lot of kids like Miguel and then Johnny learns to embrace them, but then at the end of season one, you start seeing these once bullied kids start turning to like the dark side most obviously with hawk who becomes this you know kind of uh you know you can kind of see him going off the deep end even someone like aisha who started off very nice is now you know you know pretty like aggressive and becoming a bully herself and and miguel is essentially going to turn to kyler kyler's the bully
1: this is what i'm talking about that theme of balance so like if you notice uh, the Cobra Kai kids are always wearing red. They're more aggressive. Um, it's most obvious in Arc uh, Hawks' character arc. And then, by contrast, the Miyagi Do kids—they all—they're always wearing blue. They're more passive. They believe that martial arts should be used as defense only. And like, even so, like with the Cobra Kai kids and with like Johnny and Daniel, they're like the yin and the yang, where. It's like there's one is like the dark side with a little bit of light and then one is like um, the the light side with a little bit of dark. But like, which one are they? Because (laughs) neither Johnny nor Daniel is ever fully in the right or ever fully in the wrong ever.
4: I think that changes also from like scene to scene. Right. Mm-hmm. Some scenes, one is like obviously the bad guy in that scene, but it's never like per episode where one is the bad guy or even per season. It's always, yeah, like it's like even the scene, in their heads,
1: too. Because, like, so in the first few episodes of Cobra Kai season one, like that part where Johnny gets crane kicked in the face by Daniel in the tournament. Like we see him get kicked in the face so many times in just the first few episodes. And it's very clear that he sees himself as a victim this whole time. It's representative of how, how storytelling has changed between the eighties and now where it's like in the eighties, Johnny Lawrence's character was a very one dimensional villain with like no motivation, no intent. Right. There's nothing behind him. And then, Nowadays, we're so used to seeing our villains more humanized, where they have like actual motivations, and you know they uh, they can also be seen as victims too.
0: Yeah, the the ending of uh, Karate kind of confused me because Johnny, after after he loses, like his last line in the movie, he gives the trophy to Daniel, and he's like, LaRusso, you're all right, man."
4: I'm like, what the hell? Like, I thought this guy was supposed to be like the supreme bad guy, but he's such a graceful loser. And actually, to build upon what you were saying, Chris, because you said you only saw season one. Yeah. So in, by season two, it gets like much more nuanced and like even like the characters you thought were going to be like the bullies and it was going to be this flip like Miguel or Aisha. It actually becomes actually that the, what makes the show so cheesy is the acting and the dialogue, but the way it's paced and plotted is actually pretty good. So the character arcs of those characters that you mentioned. Uh, is is different i would say miguel and aisha if that's her name are the clearly the the two best characters as far as like who are the heroes and then everybody else becomes a little bit more nebulous and that becomes more clear in uh season two and i actually kind of thought it was a surprise because the way season one ended i thought okay miguel is clearly going to be the bad guy but it doesn't turn out that way
3: yeah and i I like that you know extending beyond uh what we're saying about uh, Johnny and Daniel is that like the kids also are like that throughout the show where like at different points they're wrong or right. And like, they feel like fallible in ways that is like consistent with their characters. Like, you know, when they make mistakes and they do bad things, it's like, okay, I could believe that that character would do that. I think because sometimes that's a mistake that uh, shows do a lot where you're like, all right, we need this character to do a bad thing and they'll just write something that doesn't make any sense. Um, I think that sort of like, the sort of petty and like mean things that these kids do to each other is like, okay, I could see that kid doing that. And that makes sense. And that's mm-hmm. a mistake. And they're going to have to like answer for that later in some way. And it's not just a show. That's a retrospective of the two main characters from
4: karate kid, right? It's just as much about the kids. And in fact, from like scene to scene, the protagonist keeps changing.
3: Mm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. For, for Yeah. They haven't, they, they don't have like one exact main character, even though it kind of starts with the spotlight on Johnny, there's sense of being like, I think the cast of characters is pretty interesting, even though, like you said, like some of the acting is, you know, not quite there. But um, yeah, I think the show would actually be worse if they brought in better actors.
4: There's something <laughs> about that yeah. that makes it better.
1: <laughs> Paul Dano and like <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: <laughs> all the prestige actors.
4: Yeah. Wait, wait, Sam, who, who do you think are like the worst actors on the show? Um, uh, i forget the character's name but like the one with the long hair who's johnny's kid oh robbie robbie he's pretty bad
1: it's like it's like power rangers level acting
4: yeah right, right. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know because he's supposed to be like this tough uh,
0: street kid who's no good i don't know he seemed like <laughs> a teddy bear from from uh-huh. the first scene he's just like such a he's such a nice guy i mean really right um yeah he steals well, a laptop, that's who he really
1: but, is once we get yeah. to know him in season two
0: He's, he's got the like old like JTT haircut or whatever, so he's like a throwback to the <laughs> he does. To the old days.
4: I would also um, say Ralph Macchio's the as far as adults the worst actor, even though he's like <laughs> <laughs> he's done the most and and done the most movies, and he's actually done a couple of good movies like The Outsiders, right? But he, I don't know, He just either he's so like feels like he knows the character so well that now he's like a, a caricature of the character, or he's just <laughs> dialing it in, but. Like Zabka is so much better.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah and, and sort of like going to that, like also Billy Zabka like sells his martial arts way better than Ma- Ralph Macchio does. And that kind of like is reminds me of the original movie. So, cause in the original movie, like Billy Zabka didn't like neither of them had like karate specific experience before that. But Billy Zabka was an athlete. He was a wrestler.
1: Yeah. Before he was.
3: That. So, like, he's, he was more athletic, I think, than Ralph Macchio was. And like, when they choreograph stuff like Ralph Macchio's karate in the movie, karate kid looks fucking awful. Like it's really bad. <laughs> like the kata looks shitty. Like I did, I, I did like, um, you know, like a, a normal karate school as a young person. I did Kyokshin when I was older. And like, I've never seen these katas before that he's doing. Like, I don't know how they choreographed that. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then even like now, I think it like, I don't know if it's because of like how they are, but like, you know, between that, um, billy zabka did do hapkido, i think oh he did tangsudo, one of those um after karate kid because he got into it so like even though that was a long time ago when he trained like now in the choreography for the show like whenever they're showcasing moves and stuff like billy zabka is like able to sell the moves like way better than ralph macchio can and ralph macchio is again doing bad katas that don't make sense like uh a couple like there's one or two that he teaches the kids that are like all right these moves are kind of real but i don't know some of them i'm like i don't understand if this is like some weird like fake pseudo tai chi thing like this is not a karate kata that they're doing that i've seen obviously i've i know i'm not a like a goju ryu person or anything like that like and you know obviously kyokushin is like not as kata focused as like other styles of karate but I don't know. Yeah, it's just like it, it just looks bad. It looks worse from him than you know the way Billy Zabka does it.
4: You know what you're pinpointing is that it's like the, the Karate Kid and now Cobra Kai with uh, – with uh, Ralph Macchio's character, it's like the only karate you will ever see on TV or in movies where it's all about the hand techniques. It's yeah. rarely about the legs. And I think that's what you're spotting. That's why it looks so weird mm, is yeah. that it's not even like 50 50 hands and legs. So if you look at his hands, because he can't do as much with his legs or maybe he's not as athletic, there's so much uh, focus based on like his, his finger positioning. Like one finger is out and like the way he like bends his knuckles is very, very like delicate and precise so i think they had to go like more uh more attention to like oh his hands are like in weird positions because he's a karate master right uh let me ask you guys a question what what do you guys think seeing uh, an asian dude
3: play the the bad bully guy i thought it was interesting you know i it was, it was definitely interesting. i liked the part there, there's like a scene in season one where like well, f- first of all, like Daniel makes the mistake of like just assuming that this person is like Japanese American, but he has like no clue. Like when he <laughs> when serves he them asks sushi, he like sushi? <laughs> he's like you like sushi, right? And he's like, uh, I mean, I like chicken. But doesn't nuggets. everyone like
0: sushi at this point? I mean, uh,
3: it's yeah. Obviously I mean, not it was weird that he people. said no because, like, even high schoolers love sushi. And he lives in California. He lives in California, where there's good sushi. Like, I live in fucking, I live in fucking DC, where the sushi here is fucking garbage. And like, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, and that's like definitely a realistic thing. I think it's different because like. I had a lot more, like, Asian kids growing up, but I got bullied by a lot of Asian kids, too. Like, Asian kids can be bullies.
4: But I think also, like, Miyagi-Do, even throughout the the two seasons, is, like, the one that fetish, fetishizes, like, uh, being Asian, right? Even with that question of, are you Japanese or sushi? Like daniel is a weeb right yeah. and, and you can't you can't accuse uh johnny lawrence's character of being that so i think that also changes the the dynamic where it's like you know even though this is at, at surface level this is good this is re- bad these are the good kids these are the bad kids but then like it's playing on the culture of like well the good kids also have problems where like you know They fetishize and and they maybe they go too hard in social justice or intersectionality where they're essentializing people, turning them into tropes again. Right.
1: Does Daniel basically just um, does he pervert Mr. Miyagi's teachings the way he uses them in his business life?
3: Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of like there's. You know how, like, business people are really into, like, Miyamoto Musashi? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like they'll read, or, like, even Sun Tzu. Like, they love, like, I read The Art of War, or, like, mm-hmm. I read The Book of Five Rings, and I'm mm-hmm. using the lessons to take out my business opponents. And, like, and I mm-hmm. think it, he does a little bit of that because he keeps being like, this is how I use the lessons from Mr. Miyagi to run my successful car dealership.
1: And then there's, mm-hmm. like, that cringy part where he gives Johnny the bonsai plant, and he's like, oh, we give these to all of our customers,
3: Mm-hmm. it's pretty embarrassing
0: um <laughs> I, is that even a sustainable business model aren't those trees quite expensive um
4: <laughs> yeah well, i guess that's they how haunt. successful he is i mean it's just to show he's an asshole yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, speaking of fetishization yeah that's totally true because like uh daniel puts up all the calligraphy and stuff in his uh you know dojo and stuff whereas johnny just plays like guns and roses and just like, drinks course <laughs> banquet and it's such a contrast but um, actually I, I i think that is a nice segue into a point Liza wanted to make like why isn't a show like this being called out for cultural appropriation? You know, these days everything gets called out for cultural appropriation. Why do you guys think uh, this got, uh, this got, I was
1: thinking about that. I was like, I mean, on one hand, it's like, I actually agree with the showmakers by not recasting uh, Mr. Miyagi, Uh, you know, just have him, you know, he, he passed away in 2010 or 2011. So he passed away. And uh, I, I do think it, I think it honors his legacy better by not trying to recast him. Uh, but like, so without, so like Karate Kid, the original, it, um, it's almost cultural appropriation if you didn't have the Mr. Miyagi character there. And then with Cobra Kai, um, so personally, I, I don't care. To be honest with you, like, I I guess it's not something that bothers me, but I'm so curious about why the representation Asian crowd or the crowd that typically has so much outrage over cultural appropriation, why they have said nothing about Cobra Kai, you know? Like they just, like a week, like just three weeks ago, two weeks ago, they were screaming about the poor representation and cultural appropriation of Mulan, which has an (laughs) entirely Asian cast, but doesn't have an Asian director. And they were just screaming appropriation there, right? So, so why, how is it that this flies under their radar? Either they, like... Martial arts always flies under their radar. Well, no, so
3: I'm I'm gonna stop you there because I don't agree with what you're saying. But mm-hmm. like and I think the main thing is like just like the sort of like the day that it came out and like I'm thinking about Iron Fist. Like mm-hmm. a lot of Asian people like think piece writers were mad that there wasn't an Asian character in Iron Fist, mm-hmm. even though like because that that like have, do you did you watch Iron Fist at all or no?
1: Yeah, I watched a yeah. couple episodes after like, after the outrage. I watched it to see to see what they were so pissed off about.
3: Yeah, I mean the thing is like I think that's exactly when they did it and like sort of like they spent themselves on that like in terms of the whole like it's a story about like a white guy that goes to I didn't actually like the show. It was kind of boring. I think. No, I mean that was my <laughs> big
1: problem with it. I think was it's more like the just worst, it's, not it's good. the
3: worst of the of the Marvel TV shows I think that mm-hmm. came out, but like they kind of brought up that conversation where like the, you know, the main character is a white guy, goes to Asia, becomes a martial artist. And that's sort of like his main superpower. And then, you know, he has an Asian girlfriend and whatever, and they do introduce an Asian character, but of course he's the bad guy, um, you know, in season two or whatever, um, like a South Asian guy. And I think like in regards to this, like the show itself is like diverse. I just think like, it's not a thing that was on people's radar now, like, I'm sure that there will be probably, a think, peace. And, like, the show itself, like, kind of addresses it a little bit um, in one of the episodes where Daniel is accused of cultural appropriation by people on the internet. For, yeah, <laughs> the bonsai plants yeah. and the whole
0: karate oh, wait,
1: thing. Wait, that happened in
3: season two? Yeah, there's, yeah. like, sort of... Oh, that's hilarious. He, he, he <laughs> has an ad where he's, like... <laughs> You can hear, like, you know, generic Japanese music in the background, and he's sort of, like, meditating in his garden, in his karate gi, and he's like, come to Miyagi-Do, and we'll teach you balance, and, like, all these whatever things, whatever. And then he got a lot of, like, hate messages saying, like, who is this white dude doing cultural appropriation of this culture that he doesn't know anything about, Um, et cetera. And, like, you know... I don't agree
1: that they're spent, though, because they will they will... Like, the cultural appropriation crowd, they will, you know... They'll perform their outrage over the same shit over and over and <laughs> over again and never – they just don't get tired, you know?
3: I guess, like, the thing is, I think, like, me and Halloween's Eliza –
1: coming up. It's going to come out soon.
3: I mean, the thing is, I, I think it's just because, like, <laughs> you and I sort of, like – it's interesting because I listened to the first couple episodes of this show, and I think you and I are just, like, in different circles of people, like – Because I don't see like a lot of this, like people whining about cultural appropriation and like representation Mm -hmm. stuff, because I feel like I just don't follow a lot of these things. And like, when I listen to the show, I'm like, is this really like a problem? Is this a loud thing that Asian American people do? And I I guess it is, because it seems to be like irritating, but it's not a thing that like, I was aware was a thing that's like really big. Well, to take the other side of it
4: to take eliza's point i think the answer at least for me i'm not saying that uh you're wrong or that she's right but the perspective i have um is really the name of this show right the show is about uh, unverified accounts right and i think when it was on youtube and it was several years ago youtube red was unverified it didn't get like that check mark of like prestige culture or intelligentsia or whatever everybody thought youtube red was going to come and it was just going to go and i don't even actually i don't even know if it's still around Right, so maybe it did go. So when it came out, I don't think there was any outrage because they thought it was just going to be another stupid YouTube show. And uh, why would you write a sh- a think piece about a YouTube red show that's just going to disappear, right? And then when it got picked up by Netflix, then it got the verified check mark, right? Where it was like, okay, we're putting the stamp on it. The 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 TED Talk like think leaders are like, okay, this is a cool show, but it's hard to complain about a show that was like filmed two years ago or came out two years ago. So I think you might see that in season three. It's like, cause it'll have all the check marks now. It's not only on Netflix, right? But, but now we'll have a new season of it. And then you might start seeing that. I think it was just because like YouTube read and especially like living in LA, the way Hollywood people think of YouTube, they always think of it like this, this uh, stepchild that isn't, that isn't real, that isn't as prestigious or it's not even like can be uh, taken seriously, right? So yeah, I think I mean, people think people think YouTuber is a porn channel. That's that's what the joke was when it came out. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, I think that's why they renamed that, it. And, and I think it just goes back to that verification culture, right? Where YouTube wasn't enough, where they they would care.
0: Also, I think just inherently in Karate Kid, it, it might get away with it because ultimately it's about these like two white kids. I think it's why something like Lost in Translation shouldn't get uh, accused of cultural appropriation because it's ultimately just about white people. So, you know, it's just like this weird, I guess, California karate culture that is, you know, it's kind of funny just to think about it. But I mean, Liza, another one of your points is that like Asian Americans don't value martial arts as much. And I think you have a point there where it is seen as this foreign thing um, Mm -hmm. that is kind of embarrassing
1: yeah, whenever there's martial arts involved, it ends up being called like a trope, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and, I, and I think like Asian Americans grow up, t- just like where we f- like devalue things simply because they're so associated with being Asian, even though they're completely neutral. I mean, something like martial arts, even something like playing piano, which is awesome. It's a great skill to have, but people get embarrassed, you know, by the stereotype playing piano because they associate it with being Asian.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the whole, the whole representation Asian crowd they always get in such an uproar about how like there has, they've never seen themselves represented on screen. And I was just sitting here thinking like, I mean the whole martial arts genre exploded in the seventies and eighties. So like if you grew up in that era of just, especially if you're an eighties kid or a late eighties kid and all that stuff was on TV, um, like on Saturdays, they would play like martial arts theater or like kung fu theater. And I'm just like, you didn't see yourself on TV? I did. I saw tons.
4: Yeah, I think they think it's too Asian. I think they want something aspirational, right? Like martial arts, whatever their feelings of it is, is already like in the ether for Asian Americans. Even if they were like the piano playing kid who was like... uh all about studying didn't want to do martial arts their brother did it or their cousin did it or you know their maybe sometimes their sister did it but somebody around them somebody at their church somebody was doing it so it was just mm-hmm. like normal it was nothing to aspire to right so i think this is also talking about like kind of the something we've talked about online like this like boba liberal like elitism where no no give me something better than i am <laughs> Show don't show me representation of who i am show me a representation of us better than we are like crazy right so they
1: they discount martial arts movies they discount martial arts movies while i consider martial arts stars to be the real superheroes (laughs) but they like they are so desperate for like marvel
4: (laughs) representation yeah well they're they're discounting uh they're discounting rob's cousin right it's like hey that's my cousin (laughs) what's wrong with him right (laughs) yeah but he's not tony stark dude (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. But I would also disagree a bit on the purely aspiration, but I also think they, they want what is they think is normal in that it's probably like a regular suburban teenager worrying about prom or, or stuff like that. And, and they think martial arts is too kooky. It's too, it's too like, you know, hit the gong type of stereotype.
1: Meanwhile, in every single suburb in America, there are dojos everywhere, like in every strip mall. It's, it's very suburban. And who like... Who signs up for these classes? There are a lot of uh, non-Asians that sign up. In fact, when you know when I took my kids, uh, you know before the pandemic, when all the schools were still open, it was like there were more non-Asians than Asians. So, if we're talking normal, as in like not like non-Asians do it, I would say that martial arts is normal, mm-hmm. American normal. But is that why they leave Cobra Kai alone? Because it is about two white people doing martial arts? So that's, they like it then? Because they're like, oh yeah, yeah, let, let's, um, let's, let let's, let's, let's flip it. Instead of Asian people doing martial arts, which is tropey, let's have white people doing martial arts. So like. <laughs>
4: Uh, and the Asian Americans can can be in the '90s rom-coms. You know, I wouldn't gi- a, I wouldn't give up want. on that. I think they might still break bad for season three.
3: Yeah, depending on what happens in season three, yeah, if it's like a whole like okay, now a thing, it might be. But then I think it goes to your point, Eliza, that it's like karate is not a th- like in America. Like if you do martial arts, like karate is not seen as really like a very Japanese thing the popularity of martial arts that came out in the 70s and 80s, but then also just, like, the business model that you need to run a martial arts school. And I think, like, Sam might have more input on this, but, like, in order to make it profitable, um, like, like martial arts schools are, like, it's almost like opening a new restaurant. It's very easy that it will fail mm-hmm. um, at the start. And, like, in order to make it profitable... You have to make it palatable they to sign to up parents. for like a whole
1: year. You sign yeah, sign up for a whole
3: year. You got to be like, it's going to teach your kids discipline and self-confidence and like all this other bullshit that it may or may not do. And like, you know, um, some places it works, it does help to exotify the school, but then some places it works to make it more American. Like this is kind of like, you know, when there's a line when Johnny's like, this is badass all-American karate mm-hmm. that we're teaching, which is just a funny line uh, to hear.
4: Well, I think some of that Cobra Kai itself was touching upon right like to your point about American Karate Johnny references, this, references that and, uh, and sometimes when he's uh, getting the class ready he doesn't even speak Japanese he, he I think he says as, at some points which is a Korean word for get ready so his is like real American style, like mishmash of like <laughs> with all, you know, all the different, different martial arts tropes. And I think that was done intentionally to be like he, Johnny doesn't know the difference between Korean and Japanese because to him, this is all American karate. Right. And I think even the way they talk about karate, I think uh, Daniel's character still car- calls it karate right on purpose and i think they there's even a joke about that so even like the way this goes back to like the weeb culture or uh exoticizing it right where johnny for all his faults, doesn't exoticize it and and daniel does and there is a selling point selling point to uh exoticizing it because right now uh within brazilian jiu-jitsu right it's like brazilian version of jiu-jitsu which is all about it's not about like uh you know this where the gi well they wear a gi but it's not about like the 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 asian tropes about eastern philosophy and discipline and all that it's about like ufc and no holds bars fight and like street fights and this is where Mm -hmm. brazilian jiu-jitsu came from but especially in the last several years, they've been, for whatever reason, and this was confusing to me because I've been training so long, everybody started marketing it back to, like, being very Japanese and using, like, samurai tropes. And they're all, now they're going back to calling all these moves Japanese names. And, and if you actually study uh, white nationalism and white supremacy and all that, they're, they're, this history of fetishizing Japan goes way back.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. Because, you know... Um What I I told you guys when I invited you guys on this episode that I'm not a practitioner of any martial arts, but my entire family was involved in them growing up. And our experience with dojos has been pretty spotty. Like, some are places where you can make real bonds with people and real friendships are made. Uh, And then some of them are, like you said, Sam, just filled with fascists. Like what's So there's like a slippery slope. And it's great that underdogs can find a community and they can, they can build self-confidence, but uh, what, like at what point does it become dangerous where the underdog could become the bully?
3: Yeah. I think so for me and like my experience in doing different martial arts styles, like I experienced that a lot with like, you know, fascists and like, you know, pretty much, I mean I'm convinced white nationalists being in the gym that I'm training in. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, they sell a lot of people like when they entice people to come in on like the whole like empowerment and being able to defend yourself. A lot of like right wing fascist Brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms, actually a lot of their ads is like, here's a video of like a woman beating the shit out of a man who is like fucking with her and like Mm -hmm. cool. And it's like, Oh, this is cool, diverse, whatever. And then you get in there. It's like, actually, we hate Mexican people. Um, (laughs) We're going to talk about if you're a transgender, you're not allowed to train here or we'll beat the shit out of you until you quit. Um, mm. like that, that kind of shit. And like, it's just very common to do that. And I think it's like, you know, people who do martial arts, especially like BJJ now, like attracts the sort of like very like might makes right type of personality.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and sort of like, yeah, it's like with me in my martial arts journey, I think there were times where I would be training and like, yeah, I became empowered. Right. I was bullied a lot and like, I felt strong, but then like by being strong like absent of like any sort of ethical training you just will become like a bully because like now you're just feeling yourself at that point right especially like that's a dangerous time i think especially for like teenage boys like adolescent boys Mm -hmm, to like mm -hmm. when they're starting to feel themselves and that's sort of like when sort of like uh like like when bell hooks talks about like uh toxic masculinity and that sort of like cutting off of that like vulnerable part of yourself in order to become a man like that's a very like coming of age part of becoming a man in this like cis hetero patriarchal culture that we have that like cutting that part off and becoming like a tough dude who like you know i think she says it's like a like a psychic act of self-harm that a lot of men do in order to become a man right um and that's sort of like encouraged in a lot of like martial arts schools like they'll have like us like a token sort of like uh code of ethics That'll be like, oh, you know, don't hit people, uh, stand up for your friends and whatever. But it never really translates into anything than, more than an oath that you recite at the beginning of class. Mm-hmm. Like, there's never, like, anything beyond that. Um, so there's that dimension. It's basically Cobra Kai from the original s- movie. Yeah, right? yeah, and Just I think like... it gets replicated. There's that. There's also the dimension that, like, martial arts is very popular with, like, military and police. So you get, like, mm. that, like, sort of right-wing reactionary culture. Like, for me, like, I did spent most of my time doing, like, Kali- like, you know, Filipino martial arts. And like Uh the grandmaster of our school is like very right wing. He works with Duterte. He trains (laughs) like the Filipino military. If you go in the Philippines, like at a lot of the big uh, protests now, um, the police have like shields and Kali sticks. They don't have batons um, Mm. because the police, it's like big for the police to learn how to do Kali because you learn how to use batons and knives. Um, And a lot of like American Kali practitioners who like teach, they're like, when you look at the teachers like, you know, accomplishments page or whatever, it be like, Yeah, I trained uh I trained the Philippine military Constabulary to fight. Or yeah, something. I trained them to fight, like specifically to fight left-wing agitators. Mm. Um uh mm. like I've seen a bunch of teachers in this area that have that on their bio. Like we we trained them to like disrupt like communists and stuff in the Philippines. Um, mm. so that's like the Filipino thing, how to do their and also like a lot of the white instructors is very interesting in in, in many martial arts but especially in filipino martial arts they'll be like oh yeah i went to the philippines and like i trained the uh, i trained with the philippine national police is really dope and my teacher introduced me to my wife and like that's how a lot of them meet their filipino wife (laughs) like this is like a legit thing this is real like filipino martial arts instructors entice white men to go to the philippines and train and then set them up with a wife who then moves with them back to america like (laughs) this happens a lot within the filipino martial arts community um like like, I, i can like like i'm not even joking i remember like my friend uh it, it's someone that me and sam kind of know f- through facebook was posting about like isn't this weird that like all these filipino like white martial arts instructors have like wives from somewhere in southeast asia and then like literally one of the replies is like i'm forever thankful to my tuhan for introducing me <laughs> to my wife when i went to the philippines and training did with the not Philippine read National the room at all was, like, <laughs> before jumping was, like, in
1: the comments and everyone's
3: like you know, we're making fun of you, right? For being a fucking <laughs> I'm sorry, I've talked a lot about that, but that's just it, it's like that. I think like honestly the another part of it too is like martial arts schools, especially traditionally um constructed ones, even like jujitsu ones now, like with the Henzo Gracie schools, is like you're reproducing like feudal power structures by having like mm-hmm. a master sensei and like disciple relationship sort of among the students where like there's an unquestioned teacher that you know will claim to be like, oh yeah, totally question me if you want to, but they'll always retaliate against you in some way. Like I know like a friend who did that and like when they did like rolling, like you know, essentially jujitsu style sparring, like the teacher was like, You're training with only me today. And the teacher mm-hmm. just completely fucked them up the entire time mm. for questioning him during class. And like there's a lot of jujitsu instructors who are like sexual predators. Um, mm-hmm. that don't get questioned essentially because they're quote unquote good instructors. Um, they protect a lot of like abusive relationships because of this power structure. And sort of like I think that's why like the most positive for me personally, um, martial arts experience I ever had was when I went to like a Muay Thai Dutch kickboxing school. Cause it was more like just like the teacher was a coach and he was just kind of chill and like mm-hmm. I could show up whenever I wanted. Um, and just train and then like come for classes. So, and it was because like, there was less of like a feudal power structure there. I know that there was some toxicity, obviously in the school, some martial arts school, but like it was less <laughs> pronounced, I think, because like it felt more egalitarian. Like we were like uh-huh. learning a lot from each other and it felt cool that way because like, I think we have to divorce this idea that martial arts schools must be, um, they, they have to be sort of organized in a certain way in the sensei disciple relationship. That's not like. That doesn't have to be the way forward in terms of like how your school is. And it's cool to see a lot of like bottom-up organized like martial arts collectives popping up among like anti-fascists and Mm -hmm. like people like that who are doing a more like, you know, just horizontally aligned martial arts school. But yeah, I've talked too much and I kind of want to hear what Sam has to say.
4: No, I think Rob did a good job. There's one point that Rob just kind of said that uh, he doesn't even know that for other people it's weird, which is that he said – it's still martial arts culture, right? And then he moved on to his next point, meaning what he meant by that is it's still martial arts culture, meaning we all know that martial arts is right wing. And I think Rob mm, knows, yeah. I know, right? Anybody who currently trains knows that. But I think people who like are adjacent or only know from martial arts or from the past, they don't know that. So that's just like uh, uh, something that the listeners need to understand is that if if you train it and uh, currently... And you have some kind of like political radar, then you know that it is very right wing. If your political radar is you're, you're apolitical, you don't have it, maybe you don't notice, but anybody who does, they all one hundred percent agree that it is mostly right right wing American martial arts anyway, mm-hmm. is very right wing
1: mm-hmm. okay
4: all right. Um,
0: does anyone have anything more to add
1: uh now, I think we covered almost everything
0: Sam and Rob thanks thanks so much for joining us on on this uh, discussion we all we all really enjoyed the show and it's really enjoyable even if um, you know you might not even like the original movie like someone like me I actually really like the show so
1: we're, we're deleting that you said that
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know, this
4: this was fun uh, yeah mm-hmm. it was interesting to like uh, talk through some of these things that um, I think a lot of us As individuals just watching it, we notice things. And then in speaking about it with each other, we were able Mm -hmm. to kind of like create a through Mm -hmm. line and, 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 and think through some of these things. And I think for a lot of listeners, too, they're probably at home thinking, oh, I noticed this. I noticed that. And then we're probably like saying out loud some of the things they noticed. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll catch you next week with another one. All right. Rob and Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, make sure everyone. you
1: check all the show notes for our guests uh social media links and any podcasts that they're going to be on definitely check out southpaw for sam's pod and if you haven't already subscribe to unverified accounts
0: yes please do all right bye everyone bye Alrighty. bye bye, bye.